Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries. This is A Place for All, part one of our time with Charlie Barber Cook of the Minnesota Vixen. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Awesome, everyone. This is the the Apprenticeship Diaries, and that was a really bad uh, intro right there. Welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm here today with Charlie Barbacook, and she is actually a disability service case manager and a member of the Vixen. And Charlie, remind me, what is your position on the Vixen? I just want to Make sure I play offensive line for the Vixen. Right on, dude. Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> usually, usually interior line, so either a guard or a center. Right where I've been most of my football career. Right on. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go back um, because you have two things. Um, I interviewed Sam Barber, who's also a Vixen, and um, and I'm I've just I'm kind of like opening up honestly about football now because I've really never been into it to be quite honest but I think I'm like most people when it comes to it that I I I miss the passion in sports and a lot of that doesn't happen in the you know national leagues and when it's somebody's profession you know they they really gets watered down yeah. And, um, I think if I watched you guys, I might actually like really get into it. So I'm excited. Oh yeah. You definitely should watch us. It's yeah. very fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. yeah, we've gotten, I, I think even just being here in Minnesota, I've gotten all of my friends that I don't, that I met either through school or work. So other than the Vixen, um, they're all very in, invested in the Vixen now. So yeah, it's an exciting space to be in. Yeah, I got that energy. Um, I mean, just right away, because I learned about you from Laura at Weird Ink Society. She mm-hmm. came in and she's like, you know, I wanted to ask, you know, can we sponsor a person of the team? And I like I was I was peeping on it like I was really, like, yeah. you know, I was like, hmm, and I as I, I admitted to Sam right away, I this is spite. You know, I was told a long time ago I had an argument with an old dude who said that women can't play football against Mm. men. And, and I was like, the whole argument was about passion over physical attributes. And I was just like, listen, I'm not here to say that it's every woman. I'm just saying that will conquers everything. Passion beats everything. I I've seen, I've seen things that defy logic. So you're, I I don't like people who say you can't. And So, um, yeah, just there's a lot spite. of examples of yeah. <laughs> really incredible women playing football with, with men right now. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I played, uh, I played football in high school as well. So oh, wonderful. I played on the boys team and it, you know, it, that was, that's just what you hear constantly ever since yeah. then. And still today women can't do it. Like, well, we're doing it. We've been doing it. We're going to keep doing it. So you're even um, more a stick it to that man anyway, kind of example, because I didn't even know that. Like, um, so I guess, um, whichever one you want to start with, we're here today because of the Vixen. When I heard about, uh, you all, um, obviously that started for you in high school, but, uh, uh, if you, if you could talk a little bit about that journey and then we can just, dis- I'm, I'm excited about the disability services too, because Great. I think all of us could learn a lot from that. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so I played football. I, I wanted to play football ever, you know, I, I don't want to say ever since I was a little, little kid, I was kind of scared to do a lot of things when I was a little kid, but in junior high, um, I was, um, really wanting to play a team sport, but I just, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I think it was like being covered up by so much stuff that I really liked. I like the idea of being covered up, not yeah. like protected by the gear physically, but protected kind of, um, emotionally, I think is what it was yeah. because I was just fearful of everything. And even doing uh, something as simple as tug of war during PE class, like that was really scary to me. Um, and, uh, and so I ended up like having an opportunity to try out for a team and I kind of chickened out and didn't show up. And that was in junior high for like a pop or team or whatever. Um, I, uh, then went to a high school and, um, and I was like, oh, I really want to play football. And somebody had said, oh, you can't play football here. Because that uh, that school happened to be a really uh, talented football team that went to CIF every year or went to state. And um, they were like, you definitely are not going to be playing on this team, right? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that. So right. I, went and, uh, <laughs> um, I went to the, or I wasn't there for the tryout and um, because I had moved districts, whatever. Anyway, and, I, and eventually my mom, convince the school to let me, you know, try out at a practice and, um, which they weren't super excited about at first. Um, but they, you know, I, they kind of let me on the team, I think, cause they felt like they had to after mm -hmm. some conversation and, um, they made it really hard. My mom had to buy all my gear for me. She had to buy, um, a plain white Jersey and a plain green Jersey for me. And, she, you know, things that she really didn't have money for, but she was like, well, I'm not going to let them tell you no, just because, right? And um, so my mom was really supportive in that. And I ended up playing, and I, I definitely didn't play a lot. I, I was one of the players they put in, you know, when we were winning by a lot, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I loved it. And um, I ended up wrestling because um, a couple of the That's of dope. teammates were like, well, you know, have you thought about this? And so I joined the wrestling team and kind of opened up the doors athletically for me, though. I had been playing sports since I was really little, like t-ball and on, but um, uh, wrestling was actually my act my real passion in high school. And uh, as an adult, there really isn't an avenue to take for wrestling um, mm -hmm. unless you're jujitsu, maybe. Yeah. yeah, like it's yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, and then like later after high school, um, I had kind of stopped all athletics and kind of lost myself in in the shit of life. And, um, and my friends were like, Carly, get yourself together. Like, here's here, check this out. This there's a women's football team. Did you hear about that? And I was like, what? No way. <laughs> this was in like 2009. Um, and, uh, I, it was legit. They had been working on putting together this team in Oakland, um, California. And, uh, I went, to the tryout and somehow made the team and that was the beginning of my women's football career which is you know the real football I think <laughs> <laughs> there definitely seems to be a um more passion in it because you know when when there's gatekeepers you know much like there is in like our industry like there's a lot of old people in in tattooing that that don't come off things very easily at all and they you know, I, I can understand it, but it's a, you got to earn it kind of thing. And it, you know, it's meant, I think in premise to make sure that you really want it. Um, 
but like, you know, when, when there is those gatekeepers and you got to really hustle, you know, 10 times harder than anyone else, it, it makes it so much better because you can feel it. You can feel the passion. And, uh, I, I love that about that. So that's why I said, you know, we were talking before just to, you know, collect before the podcast started. And I was like, I think this might be my lead into women's football. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad about that. I think it's, um, I've said so many times before, it's so hard to, um, to turn down once you're in it. Like it's, it's so much more about community than it is Mm -hmm. a game or a sport even. Yes. Sports, I think tie into that community, but, um, it's, it's a family unit. And, um, I, I think there's only been one person in the, you know, dozen or two people that I brought into football myself that has walked away from it once they were on that field. You know, I, right. I've only had everybody that I, everybody else that I've been like, Oh, you should try this. They're like, Oh my God. And just totally wide-eyed once they get here, it's, uh, it's empowering to have so many strong-minded, uh, women be in one space together <laughs> um, yeah, and be kind of battling each other and uplifting each other at the same time. It wasn't yeah. like that on the team in high school. Um, I had some supportive teammates and some friends that for on the team, but, but for the most part, it was, um, it, it didn't feel like a family unit in this way. Um, right. This is an entire community. When, when, when I do anything in my life today, the majority of the people that are involved are, people I'm familiar with because of the Vixen. So, right. um, When as Sam said, you know, even in her professional career in sports, just in basketball and things like that, when you have coaches and it sounds like you had the same that were really focused around just winning, Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it does. It removes all of those beautiful things that are about the love of the game and really like, you know, and, and that's, what's sad. We, we went into it a little bit about, you know, in, in education and things like this, when there is sports involved, how they handle these things and how they remove so much of the passion from it. And so much of the, what, what the coach and the teachers really should be doing, which is, you know, kind of pulling out of a person what's already there and turning, turning that up instead of, you know, casting judgment or shoving a bunch of shit in. And, and that's the thing is that like, when you recognize a person's talent and then as a coach, I feel like it's better to recognize somebody's heart and soul, and then just give whatever you can to that particular attribute and let it, let it work for you. That's a good leader, right? you know, but if, if all you're concerned about is winning, it does, it takes so much out of it. Um, but yeah, uh, so, and the other thing that, um, we, we went over too, is that it's, it's amazing too, when women, um, can come together and learn how to work together. Um, everybody respects their own position. Cause that's, what's amazing about a team sport. Like that is self-gratifying, but you're also learning to work with a unit of people to a common right. end, which is really, right. really cool. And what I liked about this too, is that like you guys, uh, you know, you pay to play, like you, you're, you're paying to, to be in there and to, to be a part of this. I mean, yeah, we're, we're hoping that people can support, 
you guys and, and send some money your way. Um, that's also like great because, you know, it costs a lot of money to, to do these things, but you know, your heart's in it. You're, you're going to do it regardless. And you got to travel, you got to do all these things. Thank God for moms who are tenacious. (laughs) Yeah. 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 My family definitely supports me quite a bit. Um, yeah, this season especially is, is expected to be uh, quite, quite the pricey season. I I normally will spend around 2000 a season. Um, Mm -hmm. and this year, um, this year I'm anticipating much higher than that. I don't know. I'm trying out for the national team this year. That's uh, what team I heard. USA. And, um, and with that, if I make made the team, it involves a week of training somewhere else in the U S and a week of the tournament in Finland this year. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be probably around $5,000 for the whole season if I end right. up making team USA. But, um, even just the tryout itself is, uh, it's, you know, 250 to register plus the flight, plus the hotel, plus, you know, food and all that for the travel time and, Damn, man. <laughs> um, you know, missing, missing a day or two of work and, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot, but that's def that's not, I, I would never, <laughs> it would never impact my decision to play you know, right. whether or not I had help. I would figure it out, um, somehow. Cause this is, I actually did take a year. I took a year off. Um, uh, I hurt my back one year and I just didn't think it was a good investment mm. to spend the money for a year. I would probably be sitting on a sideline the entire year. So, um, I chose not to play. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you can ask my wife how horrible that was. <laughs> decision <'cause> <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty bad. I, I was kind of stewing on the couch for a year and, um, mm. and, uh, I couldn't even watch like NFL football games. I was so upset. I, I couldn't engage with any of my friends on the team. Um, I couldn't engage uh, with uh, any of the coaches or leadership. And that community is a huge part of my life. Um, uh, you know, it did allow me time for other projects that I have that I do, other communities I'm involved with. But um, it, it was, you know, the worst year of my adult life, I think, not having Aww. football there for me. So, so it's worth the investment. It's for by far worth the investment, whatever the cost. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's always nice to, it's always nice to have support from the community or from businesses like mm-hmm. Weird Ink Society, who's yep. um, so generous to support me um, this year for the first time. And I hope, um, you know, that becomes a recurring thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, well, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it will be. I mean, yeah. uh, they, they seem very, um, they're just a cool group of people who automatically I saw right away, like when they were having their grand opening and they were donating proceeds to a woman's shelter, I was like, that's dope. You know, like that's a really cool place. It made me want to go and visit them and be a part of like, just for a little bit, check it out. I just fell in love with Jordan right away. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then everybody else that I met there was equally amazing. So Right. And Laura brought it up. I was like, fuck yeah, like I got a podcast. I mean, I don't have a huge yeah. following, but <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> you know, Laura is just absolutely incredible. I I yeah. I uh I, I even remember the last the last time I talked to her is I was booking a tattoo. We we're talking about my tattoo and she and then my wife was like, I want to get a tattoo too. And <laughs> so there she was like, Oh, well, I'm booked until like forever from now, but we have these other people at the shop and and 
and Alex and I were both like, why are you even talking? Like, I understand there's like great artists everywhere, but like, we're not going to use any artists but you. So I'm like, what? we'll wait. We'll wait. You're worth waiting for. She absolutely is. She's worth yeah. And I know there's a million talented tattoo artists in this world. Um, but I don't know. I, I My mom taught me this loyalty. She, she had the same artist for, you know, a decade tattooing her monthly. And, um, and, uh, I don't know. I just, loyalty is this, uh, really important thing for me in my communities. So. Well, and it's, it's, um, tattooing, it's so much more than the thing itself, right? Like, uh, we talk about this a lot on the podcast and, or I do anyway, is that like, you know, it, it's not really about the art. Um, it's, I'd say it's about like 65, maybe percent the artwork and then the rest of it is how you feel and the service and the person and all of those things yeah Yeah. and really as time goes on as as your body ages and the work ages the thing that really stands out is your experience and the person you got it through so I think Mm -hmm. that that's a wise decision to you know at the very least be with somebody that you really value as a human being and that you know that it's always going to be a good time. You know, that's, that's important um, for yeah. yourself as, as well as Laura, you know, like it's, right. you know, you, I've, I've met a lot of people that are like, you know, they have good work and I'll be like, Oh, it's dope. And they're like, yeah, Dick did it. And I, I don't like it really. In yeah. The end. <laughs> yeah. I have one, uh, the one I got of my, my mom, Oh, so my mom has these uh, kind of insecurities. I actually have never told her this because I think she'd be mad. But um, <laughs> um, so this is, you can't even, I should stand up. You can see it. It's kind of dollish yeah. almost. So oh, my mom beautiful. has always had an uh, insecurity about her weight. She's a bigger woman or has um, at different times in her life. And then her, that her chest is really small. So these kind of like superficial things. And so I... <laughs> I did this, I have ragdolls all, uh, you know, over my body, but this one was like, I want to, I was like highlighting her insecurities, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, but in this, like, you know, kind of face your, face your, face yourself kind of way, you know, like, look at yourself yeah. really, like, who are you really? And my mom is just the most incredible, um, the most incredible person in my life. I mean, she's got right. mental health stuff and she was a single mom and, of four and worked her ass off to be basically from a thrift store employee working three jobs to like running yeah. a company. Um, you know, she's, she's a really hard worker and, and instilled work ethic in her kids and, uh, loyalty in her kids and, um, perseverance in her kids. You know, she, it, yeah. it's just, I, I hear a lot of other people talk about their families um, not as excitedly as I talk about mine. So yeah. <laughs> I feel really lucky to have her. Well, it's a, it's a two way street, right? Like, I think that you're, you are focusing on the right things. I mean, your tattoo kind of, kind of illustrates that in an endearing way of like, no matter what mom, like you're on me, like, yeah, I'll take you all, all forms, everything, you know, right. it, it doesn't that none of that matters. And I think a lot of people lose sight of the most important things. And, you know, in terms of family, dude, if you have, if you have a parent, that's a big thing. There's a lot of people don't, 
And yeah, yeah. To, not to be like, you know, there's kids in Africa starving and like guilting people into appreciation, but like, you know, like, no, but it's legit. Like when you have yeah. a good parent, it's, it's hard to see it sometimes. I mean, yeah. my mom and I definitely didn't see eye to eye for a period of time, you know, and, yeah. um, uh, it led me to making some really interesting decisions in my life. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I forget that the reason I brought this up is this was her tattoo artist that did this tattoo on me. And, for, and I did not, I did not like him very much. Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He loved them, but he wasn't my favorite guy. And um, uh, so I think about that every time I look at it, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so I think about my mom and I think about her tattoo artist. And um, anyway, it has an effect, right? So it does. And and also, um, but I, I do like symbolically what you wanted to go after and having him do it. So if nothing else, the purity of your intention, um, was there, even though he didn't really see it as an opportunity to shine and be, you know, wowed by it again, you know, like it would be nice if people appreciated the, the awesome thing that they're in alignment with when they're in alignment with it. But sadly (laughs) it's not always how it goes no it's not (laughs) that's part of the thing with tattoo artists the ways you know around is like at times you know just I think it's just the weight of having so many people want what you do that it becomes very crippling um to shoulder all of that expectation all of that honestly that love and interest yeah I couldn't imagine (laughs) but it's it it's it's not a reason to get mean or um you know, uh, to, to turn on the people, the very people that are, you know, giving you their skin, not giving, but like exchanging this really cool thing. Um, and that's something that I, um, even with Jordan, we went to, they're called fart meetings, um, Facebook advocacy for responsible tattooing, which Ah. is really dope. (laughs) I got to, I know it was really cool. And that was one of the subjects was like, well, we kind of, we meandered, but one of the things was like, you know, don't, don't be dicks to your clients, man. They don't know, like they're coming in, you know, they want, they want to work with you. They want to do a cool thing. Make sure it's cool, you know, like be cool and, uh, you know, treat people with respect always. And they don't know as much as we know. And it's the truth. I mean, there's a lot of gatekeeped information in the tattoo world that not a lot of people know. So they're, they're trusting you to like, you know, take care of them. (laughs) It's important. So, but that's, a, it's a great tattoo. I mean, it does suck that has that like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I just didn't like him. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. He's fine. He's, a, he's nice. He's, he's a nice guy somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. You know, he's <laughs> not my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't yeah. your chosen service yeah. industry professional. And, it, and it's important right. like that. My own mother, see, we have a very, um, uh, tumultuous relationship. I value her highly. I respect her highly, but I will say this, that her and I, um, we don't cause we're each other's karma. We mm. don't cause peace in each other. Um, mm. we, we push back at each other and it's necessary. We're both very stubborn people. We're both very adamant about our stance and, um, you know, that's just how it, but we keep it real and there's nothing but love and all that stuff. And I don't think we would have it yeah. any other way, but like, yeah. that's, uh, that that's, uh, she's told well, me I before <laughs> that'll cause yeah. her any peace. She's like, you're not peaceful and you don't make me at ease. <laughs> that's such an interesting thing to say to your kid. I like it. <laughs> oh, my, my, uh, 
I think my mom has said some things like that in a in a much more harsh <laughs> harsh yeah. language. Um, and there was definitely some periods of time when we did not talk at all. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, there there was no faith between us. There's no mm-hmm. trust between us in a period yeah. of time. So, um, and that that led me to needing other communities. And yeah. uh, that's how I wound up in the queer community and uh, organizing and activism there and in the Black Lives Matter community and organizing and activisming there and <laughs> um, in the disability world and just being focused on um, disability services, like all the different things that I've done in my life, um, including football. It, it all, I think, comes from like not ha- not feeling like I had a tight family for for my adolescence. You right. Know? Um, so, uh, but over the years we've overcome that. So that's really cool. That's great. No, and I, um, I can definitely appreciate that as well. I had to, um, you know, not to be cheesy, but there is something to the adage. You, you know, if you love something, you let it go. And then if it comes back, it's meant to be forever and it's true Mm -hmm. love. So I, I do think that that's kind of the path that my family and I took too. I mean, dude, I, I walled out, like I want, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitively crazy. (laughs) I'm not even gonna lie. There was, there was doctors involved and fourth floors of medical wards, which is the psych ward. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of shit and I'm fine. It's, I mean, it's cool. We all got our shit. I'm, I'm fine with it, but yeah, no, I get you. (laughs) I get you. It was was an inpatient hospital program that that led to us reconnecting actually. Oh, awesome. Well, that's good. um, that's awesome. Yeah, mine mine was a, a very forced connection, but I would say that the thing that um that probably both you and I uh could probably say is that I, I always wanted family. I mean, you just said that like you had to cultivate families in other places, but I always wanted family. Like that was not something I, I wanted to be removed from from had I, you know wanted to be an mm-hmm. island I would have just gotten I would have gotten away from people and gotten really weird right, um, right. <laughs> like I always wanted to connect could have still been a tattoo artist too I think it would yeah <laughs> it's true it's true I don't know I'd be that scary one that people were like I don't know greater tra- a couple a skulls a 2 a.m tattoo yeah <laughs> <laughs> it would have been weird. It would have been way weirder. But yeah, yeah. like I, I definitely, um, I, I understand that. So, you know, within, I mean, you've talked about football and we can go back to that. Um, eventually that, that was, it, it's such a cool thing, but, um, it, as far as disability services, how did the path to that look like? Um, <laughs> um <laughs> I, well, when I was in high school, I, uh, had to pick a language and I picked Spanish and I got really bored really fast because I um, I spoke Spanish as a very young child. I'm Mexican and my family speaks Spanish. And, um, you know, at some point they put us in an English immersion program and we, I forgot all of my Spanish. And um, in high school, I took Spanish, but I was like, this is dumb. Like it was a different Spanish and I just wasn't interested. So then I took sign language, American sign language. and um, and the teacher was, um, just this kind of like bright blue eyed woman with like 
grace and beauty. And I just couldn't stop staring at her. And so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I was pretty, um, uh, probably inappropriately obsessed with her. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, just wanted to be around her all the time. She just had mm-hmm. good energy and, um, you know, co, uh, advise the, the Gay Straight Alliance Club and, um, uh, her good friend, Colleen, and now my good friend, now many, many years later, um, Colleen was the biology teacher and the advisor for the GSA as well. And um, I just kind of followed her around everywhere. And she was also like, she was also the teacher in charge of the special education classes there at our school and the deaf student program that we had. Um, and in following her around, it wound up that I would you know, help her in her classroom. And I got to meet a lot of the kids she worked with and um, my peers, um, my peers in her classrooms were just some of the coolest people I ever met. And that led to me being really involved with like TAings, you know, the special education classes and um, uh, becoming friends with a lot of the folks that happened to be in those classes. And uh, my I've pretty much been in the field since then. So fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, if it started um, with a little kid crush. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and it just kind of morphed into that. I mean, it sounds like um you you just fell in love with all of it. You know, that's I mean yeah, it's whole, hard not to. If yeah. you've known anybody that um, I mean, I had a I had a, a good friend and I still have her. She's still in my life. Um, growing up that uh, was in special ed. And uh, she was a neighborhood kid. That's how we got introduced when I was before school, honestly, like we were before kindergarten, she came and she played with us and we always kind of knew that she was, she had fetal alcohol syndrome. So she was just delayed, you know, like even today she's delayed and she knows. Um, But like, that was something that if, if you're around anyone like that, my mom, she, it was like a catch 22. She was like, Amy, I'm so fucking glad that you're such a nice person, but God damn it. Because she would just show up every day. Like she just show up at like 7 a.m. at my house and be banging on the door. Like, <laughs> do you want to come out and play? And my mom's oh my like, get this kid out of here, man. Yeah. Like I'm naked. Like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get ready for work. And I'm- <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I don't want to go out and play right now. She's like, well, you have to handle it because you started this. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I love it. Bless your heart. But stop. Yeah. But I did, yeah. I did, um, I did have um, uh, a big care for her because she was, uh, there's nothing that I can take away from her as far as kindness, as far as wanting to always do the right thing, as far as being giving and all of those things. Like she, she has that about her and that was just evident right away. And there was a definable moment where I, um, she, she came to my house bawling, crying. And I, um, I knew that she had these regular bullies that we always encountered on the bus stop. Mm -hmm. And of course it was this asshole kid that was a couple years older than me. And I think he was either the same age as her. Cause she's like a couple, she's like a year or so older than me. And mm-hmm. he was just railing on her and she, you know, her face is like, 
fucked up, but I'm like, I've had it. I've had it. You know, like yeah. in my heart, on I'll be real. I was just like, I, I've had enough of this shit. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to manage the situation. So I was, I was kind of just mad because now she's upset and like, yeah. <laughs> I got to deal with it. And I, and I didn't want to deal with it. So I was like, do you know where he lives? Cause it was all neighborhood kids. Yeah. And, right. um, she was like, yeah, I know where he lives. And I was like, take me there. And she was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> take me there. So we marched to his house and, and she's like, what are you going to do? What do you do? I'm like, just shut up. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you're just going to sit there and it's going to, it's going to be fine. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so she's still crying. She's like, I don't even know what's going to happen. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I was like, I'm just pissed. So I'm like, I get there and his mom answers the door and I was like, can I speak to your son, please? And and her like face is like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, yeah, right. She's like, you uh, right. She was like, uh, yeah. And he comes to the door and I was like, listen, buddy. I was like, this ain't happening anymore. You see her? I was, you see her face? You see what you're doing to her? I was like, you're not allowed to do that to her anymore. What you're going to do is you're going to pick on somebody that can take it. So if you want to take your day out on somebody and make somebody feel like shit, you do that to me. I said, but you leave her alone. I was like, because this is not cool. She's like, I was like, what, what prize do you win by making her feel bad? I was like, you, you turn it on me, buddy. Okay. You leave her alone. And then I walked away and he never looked at us again. Cause I'm pretty sure it wasn't me that like, uh, I'm sure right. his mom like overheard and was like, the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Oh my goodness. Yeah. He probably got <laughs> quite the reaming from his mom. Huh? <laughs> I'm solved though. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's yeah. great. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creation, creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for for one exercise. I I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and and watched me the other night do Mm -hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's going to save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. You know, I think that that the field really, uh, a lot of people have a good intention, but don't, don't 
have the fight in them anymore. I think this field is like really exhausting, you know, um, people come in and out and it's like, yeah, we need people to be working in this field or just be in this field. Um, right. And, and it's so hard to find people to do it long-term because it's, it's exhausting for reasons like that. Like you don't always want to have to, you don't always want to have to be the person that's like, Hey lady, stop staring. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. um, you don't need to ask me, they can order for themselves or you know, right, like right. really basic things. Like it's, it's emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But, yeah. I, um, I would imagine so. And, um, you know, uh, this particular friend of mine, you know, she knows that she's weighed on me and we've, we've actually like, it's, it's hard to, to just, uh, to exchange clarity within, you know, actions. Cause there was times that she went to very, very dark places and I couldn't follow her. I had to cut her out of my life just because I was like, you've, you've gone a place in your actions that I cannot follow you. Like yeah. it's, that is some things that I will not have around me. Mm-hmm. And she thought I was mad at her and she thought I, I had like stopped loving her. And, you know, uh, that would be, I guess, a natural like thought. Right but it wasn't the case. And she, she cleaned herself up and as you know, you know, worlds better than, than that now and learned a lot of things. And uh, the amount of pride that I have that she was able to do that. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't come back from drug addiction and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, given a full deck of cards you know? right, right, <laughs> and she yeah. did. And I'm so proud of her. And like, when she did, she was like, are you, you know, are you still mad at me? <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I was never mad at you. I was like, I just, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, just I didn't see our friendship really working at the time because we didn't have anything in common. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't hang out with you in those, in that world. I couldn't. Right. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to say things like that to another person that you care about um, when it comes to addiction or anything like that, it's really hard to manage because, you know, you do care, but you have to care about, you know, everything and yourself being one of those things and not be an enabler. So I would imagine your job is very hard because there is so much, you know, it's so intimate, you know, um, you get to know these people and <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it's um, kind of cool as a case manager, you get to kind of, uh, tell providers to be better, you know, yeah. it's, uh, we, we, so my job basically is, uh, you know, I get some files on a person and, you know, with that person, we create a plan that, mm-hmm. uh, a plan of supports, <laughs> um, yeah. essentially. And, um, so it's my job to kind of monitor how the providers they're working with are, um, doing their job and if they're doing it well and if they're not. Um, so there's definitely been some stern conversations with some mm-hmm. writers that suck at their job. Yeah. Um, but then there's, you know, those wonderful uh, few, uh, few providers and workers that are just irreplaceable. So, uh, you know, we always try and get those. Oh, absolutely. Now, how did you... Um... Was there an education path that you went to with that? I mean, I know that it started with a crush, but was there, what, what education did you have to acquire in order to do that just for the people listening who might be interested? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, to be a case manager, really, you just need a degree. I think technically it's a degree in human services. 
Okay. Um, I actually have a, an English degree, which is not oh, wonderful. a degree that um, that technically qualifies for this position. Um, but I did a good enough job in my interviews fitting that, um, <laughs> apparently. But I think because I've been in the field for so long, my experience uh, combined with that I have a degree uh, was enough, uh, easily enough for me to get the job. But um, you know, if you were going straight out of high school and to get a degree, you could get a degree in um, any of the social sciences, pretty much, and right. uh, any you know education or um, a lot of people. We have I have a lot of coworkers with like a master's in social work. If you take it further, right. um, yeah, uh, the degrees are flexible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I was going to ask, um, one, uh, because, because of, uh, the ALS teacher, do you know ALS as a, um, ASL. Oh, oh, ASL, I'm sorry. Not ALS. Yeah, I do. ASL, so I, I started as a deaf studies major. And so I actually was in and out of college for a long time. Then. Um, I did not go to a university until I was 30, I think 29 or 30. And um, I had been in and out of like community college programs. And the last one I was in before I came to the St. Catharines University, which is where I graduated from um, here in in Minnesota, uh, was this city college called Ohlone College. But they had an interpreting program there and an ASL program and what I consider the the best or second best, at least, uh, program in the nation for deaf studies. Um, And I... Um, kind of, I took all the classes you could take in mm-hmm. for ASL and for deaf studies. Um, so it's like three level six and then, uh, deaf education, deaf history, deaf culture, deaf, um, That's awesome. all, all the, all these classes. But so then I go to St. Kate's where they have an ASL degree, but I couldn't get it because I had already taken everything at another school. So they were like, well, you can either retake everything here and get the degree from us or just get a different degree. <laughs> oh, wow. So, there was no transference. Wow. Uh, well, they transferred. You can only transfer so much. Uh, you know, I, if you're at St. Kate's and they're going to give you a degree, they want you to take classes there, right? There. And, um, so I was like, well, okay, well, what degree am I closest to then? Right. <laughs> and they said English. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll have it. I'll go to school for English. That was okay. my next question. Was, <laughs> yeah. Why English? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was very, uh, they pretty much looked at like what I had taken already. And mm-hmm. um, apparently I was really into English classes, I guess. Because when I was in school before, mm-hmm. in that entire kind of 10 years I had been off and on in school, I just, I only took classes I was interested in. I mm-hmm. didn't take classes for a purpose uh, other than that. And so when I went and transferred, they were like, oh, you have enough credits for all your GE by chance, <laughs> but I never really like meant to do that. I just right. took classes and um, I, I didn't really feel like school should be for a piece of paper. I felt like it should be for general interest. And uh, uh, so when I went and they said, well, English is the degree you're closest to, I was like, oh, that makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. Cause I was in all these like kind of studying film, studying literature and um, history of, uh, history of, you know, 
usually something queer. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah. So uh, that's why I ended up with an English do you degree, write? which I'm thankful for. Yeah, I do. I, um, I don't have a lot of time right now because I have mm-hmm. a couple nonprofits that I have started mm-hmm. and, um, well, I guess nonprofit work I do not, but anyway, so right now my writing consists of my typewriter and I type letters to, to people and mail them. Like occasionally I'll put a post out like, Hey, who wants a letter? And I just have, uh, random conversations with random people. Um, oh, that's cool. Uh, sometimes family and friends, but. Um, I'll write anyone a letter um, and I'll just do it on my typewriter. So that's how I'm getting my fill of writing. But um, I do love uh, writing in general. Um, and professional writing is a very useful skill in my job because we're taking people's histories and um, and kind of data and, and trying to make it reflect who they are as a person and their mm-hmm. service and sports plan. So it's all it's usually all these kind of really boring technical documents and um you know my my intention is to to make that change and mm-hmm. for it to be actually reflective of this person's history and person like who they are as a person yeah um, it'll yeah. make it easier if you know if for example if you're not in the god forbid um you know the loop of what they get to encounter it'll help somebody help them so that's good right exactly yeah, yeah. so oh, i, I use it at work but i also use it uh, I, I love writing in general. So I'm definitely the go-to for my family and, and some friends uh, with like, how do I write or, you know, making a resume or, or a cover letter? Um, how do I respond to my boss? Or I need to ask for this thing at, at, you know, from my boss, how do I write an email that is professional? You know, I have a lot of, I give a lot of feedback like that to the people in my life. So my English degree helps me a lot. <laughs> that's that's a great thing to have as access to people because that's honestly a, a lot of, I think, the issues that people run across every day that they tend to overthink quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, it, it's really, it's. I mean, it's a simple asking, you know, like, but people love to just, you know, way yeah. overcomplicate it. And then once you say it, they're like, oh, kind of weird that I didn't think of that myself yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it's an amazing person to have in anyone's life so that's really really cool (laughs) and and just being a manager too like I um I have a lot of respect for that because in my life I mean I don't I'm opinionated um I don't think I don't think I'm a good delegator um or you know like (laughs) it's a skill for sure it is It is. Yeah. I, I tend to be a person that, um, I, you know, I thought I was patient just because I spent a lot of time doing things that I like to do, um, mm-hmm. that require patience in certain ways, but I'm, I'm not patient with people. Um, yeah. and that's, I wish I were more, I try to be more like, that's an ambitious goal of mine is to take mm-hmm. more time, uh, learning people and being more, I mean, the podcast, I mean, it's, it's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but like, I, um, I don't, I don't have a lot of, um, understanding at times when it comes to like getting a job done. I'm like, I don't understand why this is hard. I don't, I you know, understand <laughs> the emotionality yeah. here. Like what yeah, you training know. people is really yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. but you have to have a ton of patience for this job. I, I yeah. think because it's, uh, and I think in the field in general, but this job uh, I'll speak to specifically, it's um, it takes probably a year to feel okay at your job. 
as a case manager. Right. There's just, you know, the DHS or the Department of Human Services. DHS is uh, kind of, we run by what the legislation tells us to run by. And right. so you have to learn a lot of different technical terms. You have to learn to apply those technical terms and how to apply them in a person-focused, person-centered way. Right. Um, and uh, and you have to answer a ton of questions from a ton of people on each of these, <laughs> you know, on everyone's caseload, every team, every person that every one of the 40 people on your caseload has their own support team and their own people that you're answering questions to. And it's just, it's a lot. And, I believe it. And they're all experts in their one little thing. And so you have to be an expert on everything. And um, and we're not <laughs> by any means. So, you know, we have to be able to learn. We have to be able to, to be resourceful. Um, yes. how, how do you get the answers that, that people are asking questions? Think on your feet. So, yeah. I'm sure that being um, a football player helps with that too. You know, just like the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, it's a more physical way, but but mm-hmm. still you've, you've got to communicate well with your teammates and be, you know, very, yep. very um, perceptive and, you know, pay attention to p- the nuances of body language and, and mm-hmm. your teammates a lot. So it probably helps. That's a really cool point to bring up. I think, especially on offensive line, um, which it sounds like you don't know much about. Don't. The players, right? but <laughs> don't. On the offensive line, um, it, you know, the five people that are kind of protecting the quarterback we all work in in unison and we can't do our job without every one of those five people being on the same page. And yeah, everyone on offense needs to be on the same page, but really like the offensive line mm-hmm. is where it starts and ends. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if one of us steps the wrong direction, the entire play is done, right? Yep. So we do have to know how to communicate well with each other in a millisecond and how to read each other's body language how to read the body language of a defender and um, and you have to have complete trust mm-hmm. in each one of those five people, right? Um, including yourself. Yeah. It's really, um, football is a game of inches and seconds, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. yes. Yeah. But from the outside, it seems like yards, but I, I would imagine that when you're in it, it would be inches and seconds. It um, is. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've done only a few sports, but they've only been like taxing myself, but I, um, make sure to pay attention to, uh, little nuances like that. Um, uh, whenever I'm, I'm doing something like that, uh, the only, I would say team sport and it's not a team. Well, it's, I, I have been on too. I've had a swim, swim team that I was on, but that's individual too. Cause you know, you're not sure. Well, it's kind of like wrestling was it's yeah. you're wrestling yourself on the mat you're wrestling one person but yeah. but it's a team point mm-hmm. system usually yeah um, yeah the yeah. only other one that I can think of that and to me this is a team sport is horseback riding um my horse was my team you know like that was my partner yeah and you, you have to pay attention to the nuances of the animal you know what their ears are doing what their body's doing how to how to get what you want from them so that's the only thing that I, and, and it's so subtle because you're, you're communicating with another species and mm-hmm. you're working in cooperation. So that's the only thing that, and it, dude, this has been a long time ago. Like I haven't done this in a while. I want to get back to it. <laughs> I miss it. Um, but I, I haven't done it in a really long time. Um, 
but that's, that makes sense. And, you know, uh, it makes perfect sense. So it's, it's probably like, you know, the, the position that you play in all, in all ways, it kind of like, kind of comes around to this person. Yeah. That's Charlie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it, I mean, you can see my personality in everything I do. I think it's uh, really obvious. I'm a pretty headstrong person. I have a lot, I'm very direct and, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, firm in my morals and expectations of people, but I also think that I, I, I would definitely um, say that I, I try my hardest to give grace, and I try my hardest to um, like show love to everybody mm-hmm. that I encounter. So, um, uh, but I think you know everything I do in my life is 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 centered around that kind of need to accomplish <laughs> these things I need to accomplish. And, uh, I, I don't know, I feel useful. I like to yeah. feel useful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, that's really like when, when, I mean, just for example, with the podcast, like, you know, a big thing here is that like, I want to encourage people to go after the things that you're talking about, like their own authenticity to, to be direct, to stand boldly for who they are and not, not be shakable on that because, you know, life to me should be fun. And I think we're all looking for a sense of where we are valued in this world. And it's, right. and it's, you know, you, when you don't feel valued, uh, that's when a lot of awful things can enter into your mind. And a lot of, a lot of things that can happen to the way that you, you know, treat the world around you, the treat the people in the world, you know, just, just everything. So you know, that, that's the point too. I want, I want people to, you know, hear about all these stories of people who have been bold enough to follow their hearts and their minds. And I, I love, I love the fact that you just took classes in, in school that you're like, I'm just interested in this, like, fuck the paper, you know, like, I think that's <laughs> yeah. great. Um, because that's, I do, I believe the same way. That's how it should be. You know, you, you should, um, education shouldn't be about, um, the business of it, you know, like it, it, it everything kind of seems like that right now. Like it's about the business of it and it overshadows the person and, mm-hmm. and the real qualities of what you will need as a person going out into the world. And, you know, when you're paying money and things like that, you know, to have all this extra stuff just to buffer a, a certain degree because you, just because you right. said so just to make it last four years is right. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so we, and I, and I love that it started with a crush too, where you, you saw this person that you just really loved and like wanted to emulate on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's how I see it, honestly. I mean, I've had a lot of people like that. Um, you know, yeah. she was a mentor, so that's yeah. an incredible thing. Yeah, she definitely was. And, you know, she, she helped me get the, uh, like it, um, she helped me get to conferences with, uh, within the deaf community that had like deaf resources. And she really did spark my interest in like something greater than me, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was, that was something I really needed in that time. So, and she's still somebody that I'm in touch with too. So that's That's awesome. Kind of nice to just uh, maintain connections. I have, I have connections like all over the world, thankfully from people that I've, um, been impressed by or people who've affected me in some way, you know, yep. 
Yep. Next stop is Finland. <laughs> yeah. Next stop is Finland. Yes. I know. <laughs> got to get there. Yeah. It's going to happen. I I, yeah. I feel good about it. I feel really yeah. good about it. That's awesome. I'm training really hard. I'm trying to get there. You know, it's a, it's a six, somehow I managed to do a six day a week training program and it's, it's a lot, but it's worth it. And I can't, I really, really hope that I have the opportunity to go. Cause I think that, I think that I could be a valuable player on that team and I'm getting older here, you know, I'm turning 36 <laughs> this year. And I know that's not older, but in football, in yeah. football it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I feel probably better this year than I have in any year I played um, physically. Um, and then I also have the, the mental capacity that I have from all of my experience playing on the line. So I feel like this is it. This has to be it this year. <laughs> we got to win the championship and we got to go to Finland and beat the rest of the world after that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And for inquiring minds, um, what does your six day, like what are the things that you do a lot to train uh, for your position? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's mostly, so I have three practices a week with the team. Um, and that uh, that's literally running football drills and honestly for the offensive line a lot of it is basic football um yeah. offensive line steps uh step work and conditioning that we do with our conditioning trainer and running plays and just learning the playbook so that's practice and then the other three days of the week i'm lifting with a couple of my nice. teammates um who i am terrible at the gym so um so my i went and found the two people that that i find the biggest um kind of influences for me on this team right now is the nose guard who I have to go against. Well, she's a nose guard defensive tackle, but um, her name is Sheena. She's um, she's one of my teammates who is scary to go heads up with at practice. She's so strong and she's so good at her job. Is this the um, the, the older woman? Um, is she a little older? Red. No, that's, that's red. red. That's red. Okay. Yeah, but Sheena's... Sheena's um, She's been playing for for some years too, and she's uh, she's younger than me. She's very strong. She's very big. She's very fast, um, <laughs> and really hard to beat. And so I was like, "Hey, help me, help me train on the off season. I want to do what you're doing. Help me beat you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> help me beat you." And so we've had this kind of off season, um, kind of. I wouldn't say we're battling because she can way outlift me, but. Um, but she's just been really motivating for me this off season. And then I play offensive line, but I really love the center position mm -hmm. and we have another center on the team, another couple, but this one center in particular, Maria, she's been playing with the Vixen for, uh, you know, over a decade. And wow. um, she is uh, in the best possible way you can imagine my biggest competition on the offensive line. So I picked my biggest competition on the offensive line, my biggest competition on the defensive line, and I said, hey, I want to work out with you. <laughs> and so they both, um, uh, I work out with Sheena a couple days a week. And then I work out with Maria um, once a week uh, in the gym for those other three days. And uh, they, they've really helped me dramatically this year, this off season, prepare for, for this upcoming season. So that's um, great. Very advice. thankful for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like that's, that's the same in the, the tattoo world. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, I, 
you know, they, they, they have all of somebody and then, mm-hmm. you know, you go, well, why don't you ask them, you know, like, you know what they're doing and see, and, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if they would even give me the time of day. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you don't know until you ask and, right. and putting yourself in alignment with what you perceive to be. I mean, just, just somebody that you emulate, you know, or that you think mm-hmm. is really, really good. I mean, it could be your competition, especially in sports, you know, it's more yeah. clear like that, but I think that if there is a person that you admire greatly and you, you see a lot of talent, try to get close to them as anybody's exactly. listening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Great. Like, that's awesome. I love yeah, that. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun training I'm doing this year. It's actually really shifted my mindset too, because I, I absolutely hate the gym. I hate working out. Um, but I love football so much. And, and so in order to be good at football, I need to do those things. And, mm-hmm. um, and they've made it so much more fun this year for me. And it's so hard. It's a lot harder, but it's also, I look forward to it every single day. Every oh, single that's day. amazing. Um, and that's never in my entire 35 years I have never enjoyed working out <laughs> until this year. So <laughs> it becomes um, addictive, doesn't it? Like I, yeah. I've had few moments. I'm not in one of those moments right now, but I've had a few moments where I've yeah. been pretty in shape and yeah. it feels so good. It's so empowering. Um, and I, I don't know if this has happened to you because this is what happened when I did jujitsu, um, but you've been a wrestler. So you probably will understand this, but you, you kind of look at people differently too, like on a, on a, in a way, like it's, it's not a size, size them up kind of way, but like you start looking at people and their attributes and you're like, Oh, you have these, like these kind of limbs and you have, you know, you're, you have long arms or you have, you know, you're bulky. I wonder what you would be like. And, and like, you, you kind of, I don't know. I start I start in my head, like putting them in these scenarios and see, you know, like what it would be like to, you know, work out with them or do all that stuff. But it's, it's, it gets exciting because it turns, it turns your eyes to a different perception of even looking at people, which is really fun. Um, Yeah. I think it's easy to do that on in women's football because we have opportunity for everyone. So we have all these different body types and all these different personalities. So where is this type of personality going to fit better? Uh, what position, what side, offense or defense or special teams. You need a totally different personality for that. I am horrible at defense, just absolutely horrible. <laughs> I could never <laughs> successfully play. No, I could, if I really, really, really wanted to, I could, but I just don't have the natural personality for, right. um, for defense. I don't have that kind of aggression. My instinct comes from, or uh, my aggressive instinct only really ever comes out when I feel threatened or I, uh, when I feel like someone I love is being threatened. And yeah. <laughs> so um, I I don't even want to say when I feel threatened because I think when I feel threatened, I just get scared. And the <laughs> second somebody like that I love is being threatened, then all of a sudden it's like, what? Yep. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm perfect for offensive line. I'm <laughs> That's where my brain is. It's very- The bear comes I, out. <laughs> I, I call my, my, uh, my running back, uh, our running back, uh, my little, she's my little, you don't touch mm-hmm. my little, you don't look at my little, that's my little. No, <laughs> and, no. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> I yeah, love the that personalities so and, and body types. It's all, there's a spot for everyone in women's football, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I love that's that. part of what I love about it. You know, it's, I, I don't think that anyone has ever looked at me. Uh, I, I don't think anybody has looked at me in my adult life as an 
as just a natural athlete, you know, we have these stereotypes of what an athlete looks mm-hmm. like. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bigger. I'm not, I don't have like showing muscles. Like I don't, um, you know, even, even just talking about like Sam, uh, mm-hmm. Sam is the prototype of an athlete, right? She's tall, she's strong. Um, and she's like, uh, a vibrant in personality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I definitely don't, look like that or have that kind of presence. Right. Um, but there is a place for me on this team and yeah. I am as valuable as an athlete as Sam is. And that is um, not something I think you could find in any other sport. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate that about, about it. I like that about football too. It's a good point because it does it. Um, it, it has a place for every kind of body type of person and same with dudes too. I mean, you know, yeah. most of, most of the linebackers and things like that, they're, they're big guys, you know, mm-hmm. like they're not small, but they're, it's necessary. And, and they are really good athletes, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm sure that they could, you know, I mean, I know that they could wipe the floor with me, but like, you know, like, <laughs> sure. but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, they're non-traditional athletes deserve you know I, that's actually why i don't know if you know but i started it i started a team with our the vixen owner uh laura brown she owns the vixen oh wonderful with her husband and laura and i partnered this year to start a second team that's a developmental team because oh, right on. we were getting like 200 you know like 150 women trying out for our team and or athletes trying out for our team and um and we were having to turn away so many Right. Wow. Talented, talented, athletic, female-bodied mm-hmm. people. Right. And um, and so we were like, you know what, we really want to do this. And so a year's in culmination, we start this other team, um, the Minnesota Minks. And so this team is it's our inaugural season this year. And um, I'm kind of interim coaching here and there where we need um co-owning right now I'm working with the offensive line because we finally hired an offensive coordinator which is awesome um uh but um it's really powerful to see the 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 women that are coming out for this team have come out for this team uh there's one player who who received a vixen flyer to try out 20 years ago back in like 1999 and she never came out because she was like I'm a single mom I can't do this and 20 years later, she came out to the tryout and was like, you know, I heard about you guys 20 years ago and I just didn't believe in myself. And, Aww. and I do now basically. So she came out and I mean, when I told her, when we offered her the contract for the Minnesota Minx, um, she, you know, almost started crying. Like she was so excited to be a part of this team. And that's that's why we need this sport <laughs> you yeah. know it's women that don't believe in themselves they get to learn that skill it's a skill to believe in yourself and um, yeah. this is yeah. a space to do that in um it's a it's where i learned to believe in myself and where i gained confidence enough to to um to be a dominant personality at work and a dominant personality politically on the streets and a dominant personality at the capitol talking to legislators like it's yeah it's football that teaches you those skills for me anyway yeah. so it's just another opportunity to uplift women you know that's really cool and now you are like you know co-coaching and things like that which is also you know like there's a flip and do you feel like 
um, that helps you be a better player too. Like just hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Before we had an offensive coordinator, I had to, it, it was getting a little bit later than we wanted it to be. And so I ended up having just to, to develop an offensive playbook. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I know offense. I know what we do, but I really care about what the offensive line does. And mm-hmm. so when I had to really look in depth into each position group behind mm-hmm. me and to the side of me, I mean, that really opened my eyes um, to the Vixen playbook and allowed right. me to to really understand like a lot of the things that them littles are doing behind me that I don't mm-hmm. normally yeah. pay a whole lot of attention to. Like I know where they're going in general, but, but I don't, I didn't know why, you know, right. like the why, why is, why is a certain route combination chosen over another one? Right. right. So I got to learn a lot more um, about it um, throughout that process of writing the playbook. Um, and then also it's reminding me of when I was first learning about playing offensive line and breaking down how to stand and why and where our power comes from and just breaking down those little itty bitty details that you don't really Really think think about about a lot when it's been 10, you know, 13 years. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, you just do it. Your body just responds. Like you don't think about why. Yeah. No, it's like, I'm like, get into three point and drive. And they're just like, what? (laughs) Oh, I have to explain that more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You don't know this yet. No, your feet shouldn't be pointed this way. It should be pointed that way. Your knee should be pointed this way. Not that way. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, your elbow should be this close to your body and a little bit, you know, like it's, it's it's really specific movements that you kind of forget the language Mm -hmm. for. So it's been really refreshing. That wraps up part one. Please be sure to come back next week as we learn more about Charlie. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.